Our text is the gospel lesson just read from Matthew chapter 7. To this point in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has spoken of two kinds of righteousness, two sorts of devotion, two kinds of treasure, two masters, two types of seekers. He continues that here with this very short bit of instruction about the narrow and the wide gates. Only here, the key of the whole discourse shifts. This is not really just more teaching from our Lord. Here, it's a summons to decision. And from here to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he's calling, pressing us to embrace the call, the quite radical call at points to discipleship that is in the sermon. And so we'll make three points, the the roads, the destinies, and the peoples. The roads, the destinies, and the peoples. So first, the roads. Verse 13 begins, enter through the narrow gate. It's an imperative, a, a command. It's a call. Jesus is saying, follow me. It's time for you to choose my way, my instruction. And the choice he presents is absolute. There are only two roads. There are only two possible destinies. There are only two possible options. Choices. Choices by their very nature preclude all other choices. This is something that's good to learn in life. If you choose a spouse, you forsake all other possible spouses. If you choose to follow Jesus, you cut off all other possible options. If you choose something for lunch, you cut off all other options, other choices. And there's something, I think, in our natures, or at least in the way some people are, Wired that kicks against this. Humans like multiple choices. We like to keep our options open, especially in this technically prolific age. We like to mix and match. We like to try things out. We like to defer hard choices. Jesus forbids that here. He calls for a decision, and he calls for it now. Even even more constraining, constricting than that, he doesn't really leave us with two legitimate choices. He makes it clear, disciples only have one lawful choice. Enter by the narrow gate. There's only one choice, Jesus makes it for us. Enter by the narrow gate. By the narrow gate. So Jesus does not have dabblers. A person may dabble with religions. They may dabble with spirituality. They may flit. He does not have dabblers. He doesn't have dilettantes. He has disciples. And disciples are followers. This is obvious, I think, to most of you in this room tonight. But for us, the truth is not determined by democracy or by everybody doing what's right in their own eyes. It's determined by the revelation of God in Jesus Christ. We start there. 
We can't get behind that and say, well, how do I know? How can I, how can I figure this out? Jesus speaks with this kind of self-attesting, self-authenticating authority. He stands on the, on the stage of history and says, follow me. And if you ask him, what are the reasons I should follow you? His answer is, follow me. And so he says to you and to me, in advance of our choosing, enter by the narrow gate. Now, it's of course true that we're free agents and there are two roads before us. So Jesus begins to describe them. And the first road he describes as wide or broad. Wide is the gate and broad is the road, he says. So, this way is easy. It's spacious. It's roomy. You don't have to even search to find it. It's the default road you're born on. Everybody's driving on this road. This road is the way of diversity and tolerance and permissiveness. On this road, you can do what's natural, and you can follow your own heart. There are no boundaries to thought or conduct on this road. It's wide. It's broad. It's a kind of liberty, if you will, only if liberty is defined in a very crude, unchristian way. No repentance, no mortification, no need for self-denial, no taking up your cross, no self-examination, no persecution. No swimming against the stream is required. Nothing needs to be left behind. Very attractive road. And the other road, Jesus says, is small and narrow. Small is the gate, he says, or na- and narrow is the road. So Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, then... This road that I'm calling you to is sharply marked out. You need to look for it because you can miss it. It kind of, it's restrictive. It restricts the pilgrim's way of entrance. And it restricts their subsequent travel on the road. If you're rich, getting on this road is like passing through the eye of a needle. The word, the word for narrow, narrow is the road. The word means hard, and it's related to the word for tribulation. Hard is the road, full of tribulation. This, Jesus is saying, is the path of most resistance. How's that for a setting for the, for the leader of a religious movement? To say to his first group of disciples and to any who might be interested in his movement, following me is the path of most resistance. The path of tribulation, the path of opposition and persecution. Through many, many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And so in contrast to the other road where you could believe whatever you want, here... The truth of God limits what you can believe. And the goodness of God limits how we can behave. 
fact, we know the road is narrow because Jesus will go on and say, every loyalty, every love must be relativized. And if necessary, parted with friends, family, lands, spouses, children, even your own lives. Give them all up. Enter this way. That is what the gospel is. So radical is this that someone recently said to me, surely there must be two tiers. There must be a tier for believers, and there must be another thing called discipleship. But there isn't. This is what believers do. Whoever does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple, says the one who is this gate, and who is this door, and who is this way. So the contrast is stark, and none of this should deny Jesus' statement that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. The cost in view is one we should gladly bear. It's like the pearl of great price. You sell your field to get it. But it is to say that the road to bearing his yoke is narrow. It's full of obstacles. And that it costs everything to choose to enter it and to remain on it. So, there's two roads. And there's two ways. Human life, human beings, for all of the, the, you know, the complexity of life and the ambiguity of people and where they stand on, on various things, they're on one road or the other. There's no other options. So the second point, then, is the two destinations. That's the roads. The destinations. Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. So the wide road leads to this horror. And this is horrible. For the Son of God, for God incarnate, to say to his creatures, this path leads to destruction. Because God is properly... And he's basically, he's intrinsically creator. He's not destroyer. God's not a yin and yang. He's not part creator, part destroyer. He's a creator. He's good. This road is the road of the one who comes to kill and to destroy. Its end is not liberation. This is the deceit of this. Right? The end of this road is not, in fact, liberation, but it's the destruction of true liberty, of all love, of all beauty, of all truth, of all joy, and of all hope. It's precisely the opposite of what's promised. It's a suicide road. It's the road to hell, and it's a topic on which Jesus, more than any other figure, speaks. Someone texted me the other day and said, did you know that Paul never speaks of hell? I said, well, there's one place he might, but you're right. He rarely does. And the person said, and Jesus talks about it all the time. I said, yes, he does. He goes, it's the opposite perception. The perception is that Paul is harsh and people don't like Paul and Jesus is generous and everyone loves Jesus and hates Paul. I said, yes, that's a misperception. Not that we would pit one or have to pick one, but Jesus is Lord 
And he talks about this more than anyone else. He's the one who puts to death the idea that all roads lead to God. And so you have this other road now. It's small and narrow, and it leads to life. Eternal fullness of communion with the God who is life. I am the gate, Jesus said, and whoever enters by me will be saved. So, as there are but two ways, there are but two destinations. This is why we read Psalm 1 today, in the language of Psalm 1. The righteous way leads to flourishing. The way of the wicked leads to being driven like chaff before the wind. The third point, and perhaps the one that's the most challenging, is that there are two peoples. The travelers on these two roads. On the wide and broad road, which leads to destruction, the text says there are many. Many enter through it. As I said, it's the default road, and by and large, people confirm it as their personal choice. It's a very busy highway. It's thronged with multitudes of people. Tragically, this road is jammed. Many are they who enter it, Jesus says. And of the small gate or the narrow road that leads to life, Jesus says, and this is, this is shocking, only a few find it. It's hard to find. In contrast to the many on the other road, only a few find the road to life. This road is comparatively deserted compared to the broad road. What did Jesus say elsewhere? Many are called, meaning many are summoned by the word, by the gospel, but few are chosen. Many hear the word, few are those who are drawn to respond to it. In fact, the same thought is present in the parable of the sower, which is the great parable of the kingdom. The vast majority of seed of the preached word falls on ground which does not lead to life. Only one of the four classes of hearers respond to the word and persevere in the parable of the sower. So on this road, narrow, is Jesus' little flock, his despised minority, to which his father has, in his good pleasure, given the kingdom. Even many who appear to be on the narrow road, Jesus tells us, are not on it. Even many who appear to be on it are not on it. Thus he says on the last day, many, this is a little later in the Sermon on the Mount, many, notice that many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons and do mighty works in your name? You know the text, Jesus says, Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. Not only are there few on the road, many of the few on the road are not on the road. All right, so, of course, this is teaching which can't be glossed over, but it raises the question about how many then will be saved. After all, 
There are texts which speak of the vast expansion of the kingdom. The Bible, the book of Revelation, for example, speaks of a great redeemed multitude from every tribe and tongue and language and nation. And I think the easiest way to to make these two sets of texts fit together to reconcile them is to say that a few entering the way of life over a long period of time would produce a great multitude of the redeemed. In that sense, the texts are not really incompatible. There's no necessary conflict between a great multitude of redeemed still being few compared to the many on the road to destruction. Now that is, of course, a bleak vision. I think we're better off saying that there are two strands of teaching which stand in some tension. There are texts like this one, and others which I mentioned, and there are more which could be cited, and then there are more optimistic texts concerning the conversion of the nations. But that's a question for another time. What is important here in this text, in the witness that we have in front of us, and those like it, is that it be fully heard. When Jesus, a little bit later in the Gospels, was teaching on his way to Jerusalem, he was asked, Lord, will those who are saved be few? Think about that. Jesus' teaching ministry was such that at the end of it, the men who stood in his presence for three years asked that question. Lord, will those who are saved be few? Interesting, huh? I mean, the very fact that Jesus' teaching raises that question should tell us something. It's the same question our text here raises. And you know what Jesus says there? He says this, Strive to enter by the narrow door. For many, there's the many again, many, I tell you, will seek to enter and not be able. Now, that's not an unequivocal, yes, only a few will be saved, but it's very close to that. It's very far from an assertion that the vast majority will be saved, that's for sure. When Jesus is asked, are they few who will be saved, he essentially refers back to this text and says, strive to enter by the narrow door. People will try and enter by this door, but they won't be able to. And that brings us back to the point, to the challenge of this text. We can leave aside for now the question of the proportion of how many will be saved. Because the text is really not given for us to speculate about that. That's not what Jesus is interested in doing here. When he was asked, Lord, are there few that shall be saved? The text I just cited, notice what he did. He gave a command. Strive to enter by the narrow gate. Right? And he does that for the same reason that he begins this text with an urgent summons. Notice how this text starts. It starts with the command, enter by the narrow gate. We can sit around and talk about how many are on this road and how many are on that road and what the proportions are. Jesus says, trust me, that road is broad. 
enter by this gate. The choice must be faced. He doesn't allow us to escape. In fact, this text is intended. I'm sure as I've gone through this, some of you are sitting there saying, boy, that's grim. That's kind of bleak. But the text is intended to disturb us. Half of what Jesus says and does is intended to disturb. It's to shake us out of our complacency. If if many can be lost, and few can be saved, and clearly the text asserts that, clearly the text asserts that, then rather than arguing about the proportions, what we are to do is to consider deeply the genuineness of our own commitments to this one. That's why the text is here. It is easy to be on the wrong road. Two roads. The two roads and the two destinies and the two peoples are Jesus' way of bringing home to us the urgency of the only good choice. Enter by the narrow gate. And the comfort in this is, is this, that you're called here to walk the same road that he walked ahead of us. And which he now walks beside us. The narrow road with the small gate, which only few find. Because it is the way of Jesus, who is himself that gate and that way. And thus is himself our life. Amen.